the audience is becoming younger and younger and their BSO meters are like way up here. Oh yeah, there's there you have to be authentic or nothing at this point. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. Today, my guest is Jody Krangle. How are you, Jody? I am doing very well, thanks. How are you doing? <laughs> I am doing superb. Nice to talk to a fellow Canadian and a fellow Dungeons and Dragons enthusiast. Likewise. <laughs> you sneak that in at the start, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I've gone probably like five episodes without talking about Dungeons and Dragons now. So, oh, really? It's been a while. You know, I used to have, so, so I'm not in my own office. I'm just going to go right off topic immediately. <laughs> it's okay. So in my office behind me, I have a, I would have all these bookshelves. And the top row was all my business books. And then the second row was all the books that I wrote. And then the third row was all my Dungeons and Dragons books. So everybody would say, oh, you play Dungeons and Dragons because they'd see the books, right? Because they have that kind of red and black spine that everybody can recognize. Zoom meetings must be really, really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it is, you know, and an interesting thing about it is there was, man, I can't remember who I was talking to about it. I was talking to somebody about it. It was, it was a few years ago and they were saying that you want to have, I know what it was. It was the book Fanocracy, which is a fabulous book, by the way. Okay. And Fanocracy, he says you want to have something in your background or on your person that is something you're interested in so that other people in your tribe will recognize it and talk to you. That is true. That is true. I have a tackle box of dice. Nice. <laughs> That's excellent. You know, I've got an amazing collection of different sizes of dice. Like, and I, I, like I've got little tiny dice that are probably half the size of your pinky thumbnail, yep. all the way up to a dice bigger than my head and every size in between. Yeah, I'm totally addicted. I kickstart them. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I kickstarted some. I've also, I found out actually just before I left the United States to move back to Canada, I found out that the Dollar Tree sells dice, like Dungeons and Dragons dice, like randomly. And I was like, how is that even a thing? Like you can buy dice for a dollar. So I just went, there was like three within two miles of my house. So I bought like 12 sets of dice for $12. Wow. And there's no tax in Oregon either. So it was actually $12. Well, okay. I was like, I'm going to stock up. And then I told my friends when they get more, <laughs> but you can't get them right now because I already bought them all. Yep. Because I'm out. I'm like, peace out. I bought all the dice. <laughs> so Jody is here to talk about how to leverage sound in your marketing and more deeply connect with your audience because you are a voice actor. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about leveraging sound in your marketing? Well, part of the thing that people are neglecting, I think, in their branding is the fact that audio reaches us on a really deep, visceral level. For instance, us listening to another voice. So when you talk to someone, it gives you a window into their soul, kind of like when you're seeing their eyes, right? <laughs> and making that intimate and very real connection with the people who experience your brand is really important. But I think a lot of companies are completely missing that. They're paying so much attention to the logo and the colors they use and the font they use. And they have like folders of this in their company intranet, you know, and they're keeping it all and they have it all very planned out and everything, but they don't have a sound. 
They don't have any sound. They don't have anything across their company that gives anyone a hint as to what they should use for the music on their videos, the music in their on hold, what sound should play when someone's buying something from their store on Alexa. I mean, you know, there are things that are in our world right now that are audio only. And how does your company appear in that medium? It may not appear at all. I think that's a problem. <laughs> and, you know, the podcasting world is sort of starting to change that a bit. Yes. But then they take their branding guide and they use it on the visuals for the podcast. Right. Like what is the what is the thumbnail going to look like? What are our descriptions read like? And then, you know, then they don't have anything about the sound whatsoever. They're just like, we'll, we'll just let whatever agency we got to figure this out, figure it out. And they they should be thinking about it in the sense of their brand's DNA. Right. It's part of who you are. And if you're an individual person, it's just as important as if you're of a multimillion dollar company. You know, people are experiencing your brand on a full sensory level and they should be. It should be that way. And especially in a podcast, because your voice is on your podcast, right? That's audio branding right there. Why not carry through with that and actually be intentional with it? When you think about kind of sound when it comes to brand, the, the immediate thing that comes to mind is like, you know, when you see the start of a movie and it has the same music that plays for like, you know, Universal or Paramount or whatever, or like NBC has the dun, 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 you know, and has that kind of. That, that kind of audio branding to it that's recognizable. Or the 007, you know, yeah. like like the, dun, the James Bond dun, theme, right? Dun, and dun. yeah, like you have that playing through, but, but also throughout the film, depending on what's happening in the film, there's a use of that audio brand in the dramatic music they use or the romantic music they use or the whatever. It has that same sound that carries through, you know, those notes are iconic and that's how you know it's a Bond film. And, you know, I, interestingly, I was watching Peppa Pig with my four-year-old daughter, <laughs> sure. which is an amazing show, by the way, and cause, especially because they're only five minutes long. But in the show, they'll stop and they'll be like, oh, like they'll honk the horn on the car or something, right? And it'll have the same tune that the theme music has. It'll be like, dun, 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 you know? Yeah. That's the Peppa Pig music, if you, for, for those who have not watched any <laughs> Peppa Pig. <laughs> Yep. It's interesting, you know, the when we were doing our music for our podcast and because of I've been, you know, doing a lot of work with sound when we first started on the podcast and I made the discovery that copyright and talking are a nightmare, right? Like trying to find any kind of audio that is not somehow in copyright that somebody could sue you for is a terrible dilemma. So, and there's lots of stock audio you can use, right? That you can purchase for music and sound effects and things. But then when you go to YouTube or something like that or Facebook, somebody else will have used the same stock audio that they purchased. And then you get into these, these branding and rights, you know, violations. And a good example is there was some music playing in the background of a video when my child was less than a year old and Facebook pulled the video and said that Sony has, has, requested, you know, the rights for this video because the music was playing on the Alexa in the background. Wow. And I got a message from them a week ago that they said, Sony has released the rights to this video. You can now display it. 
And it was in 2016 they took it off, right? Like, wow. Like, or sorry, too. Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was all the beginning of 2017 because my kid's almost five and it was four and a half years ago. So Sony took away the dancing of my little three month old baby kind of thing, you know, because there is music in the background. So you're going to be really careful with things like music, sound. People think that they can go and pull the I have a dream speech and use it anytime they want. But the person who recorded that has the rights to it. Yeah, you can go to uh, directories. There are music license directories that you can purchase the rights for. And they can be really useful for individual people because it'll allow you to search for types of sounds and music based on emotions or based on which popular performer they sound like or, you know, any number of other things that you could search for. And since this is all really emotional and you want to evoke an emotion when you use a piece of music, you don't want to just choose it because uh, I think it's a really good idea to be able to search for those keywords of emotions. The one thing that you might run into, though, is that people, other people, like you said, will use those pieces of music because they can they can license it to anyone. But at the same time, individuals have done this, but so have really large companies. I mean, you know, like 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 Nike and Mercedes and these kinds of people end up using the same music. <laughs> And they're like complete, they're huge companies and, and their production companies are not paying attention to this. And I don't know what's going on there, but. It's not difficult or expensive to get your own music made, right? It's not. It doesn't have to be. I think that the composers, the composers deserve to be paid for what they're doing. This is, I am not someone who, who believes in starving artists. I, I've said this many times. I don't think starving artists should be a thing. It shouldn't be a thing because they deserve to be paid for their art. Otherwise, no more art will happen. (laughs) Right. But when we are going to make music for our podcast, we used music like we took. I guess I shouldn't say we use music. We use the pieces of music that other people had created, but we put them together into something that is ours. So we use loops and samples and things and put them all together and created a piece of music that is only for our podcast, and nobody else has that. And we have the rights to use that anytime we want because we created it. Sure, yeah. And the artists still get paid for us using loops and samples and things like that. You know, you just go to like Splice or something. It's like $8 a month to use Splice, right? So there's lots of inexpensive ways to do it. Or you could have, you could go and hire a local band, right? Or you could get, you can go on, you know, Upwork or something and get somebody to make you a song for however much money it is that you think it expects. If you're Apple and you're a trillion dollar company, you go get you two to do your music, right? But if you're a mom and pop shop down the street, it's fine to get somebody to make you a song for a hundred bucks, you know? It totally is. But I would caution the larger companies against actually licensing already created songs by well-known artists, because then your brand is tied in with those well-known artists. And it's not your only music. So you have to license it from that well-known artist for the end of time. And if that well-known artist does something stupid, (laughs) your brand is associated with that stupidity, you know? Wait a minute. Are you trying to say that musicians sometimes do things that aren't corporate friendly? 
No, I would <laughs> never. I would never. <laughs> I know it's not a music thing, right? But you don't want your entire brand with Jarrett from Subway who gets arrested for child porn. It's just a bad scene, right? And that association will never go away. It's a bad plan. Yeah. But there are many, many outfits out there that actually do audio branding and do the creation of the music for you as well. So you don't have to do this on your own. I don't do that kind of thing, but I know a lot of people who do. <laughs> and it is well worth paying money for. Now, not as an individual. I know like individual podcasters are not going to do this and I get it, you know, but if there's a large company and they're considering using sound to be more intentional with how they reach out to their clients, then yeah, get some professional help. Don't just slap this on because you think this song is nice. It really doesn't matter what you think is nice. It matters more what your audience thinks is nice and what you can live with. <laughs> there's, there's a Venn diagram in there, right? With what you like and what your clients like. Is your avatar you or do they want to be like you? <laughs> I think a lot of times here's what happens in the corporate world when it comes to like podcasting, uh, especially is they go, OK, Jim from marketing, go put us a podcast together. And Jim from marketing says, OK, well, this is all the content we're going to have and this is who we're going to interview or this is what scripts we're going to cover and everything. And then they go to an outside agency that does podcasts and say, we need you to put the podcast together. And the agency picks the music out of their stock library, right? Does the voiceover there. They hire some voiceover talent to read the, you know, just like ours, right? I have Dan Craig as our voice guy. And he goes, you know, digital marketing masters with Matt Rouse. He does his thing, right? <laughs> yeah. He yep. puts it all together, except that, you know, we made our own music and stuff for it, but definitely need to put some thought into that, but I think that you're right about having that in your brand guide, right? Because every time, I mean, I've worked, I worked for Nike Sports Marketing as a contractor, right? I work for Intel in the ESG design groups and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Nike and Intel have it, but the smaller brands definitely don't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that if you're, if you're going to use it, you can have it relate to the emotions of your your visuals. You can totally do that. But you need to have someone to ask those questions. And you need to have the resources then to create that sound that matches your visual branding. Because it should be a part of your brand DNA. It should be part of who you are and who you want people to perceive you as when they experience your brand. It's just a deeper connection and being more intentional with it actually helps your marketing and your advertising. It's consistency, right? This is all about consistency. Like the Intel, da, 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 right? Like, like that, right? That's consistent. You were seeing that on commercials for every tech thing for years and years on every television commercial, like all over the place. And so now you don't even need to see that logo. You don't care about that logo. You don't even know it exists. All you hear is that sound and you know exactly who you're talking to. Right. You know what it totally reminds me of, which is probably kind of an aside. Did you ever see the episode of The Office where Jim plays the Windows startup sound on his computer and he gives Dwight a mint every time he plays it? <laughs> and then after a few days, he plays the sound and, and Dwight just puts his hand out for the mint. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's yeah, programming yeah. him like Pavlov's dogs, yes. right? 
Exactly. Yes. But that's how we're wired. We are wired to find comfort in the expected. And so your audio brand shouldn't change because you don't like it. Your audio brand should change when your audience no longer connects with it. And even then, even then it can use like, like a refresh rather than a complete overhaul because you're freaking people out. (laughs) Yeah. You can just update it. Yeah, exactly. There are ways to update it that make it more modern, that make it more accessible to different areas of the globe, that do all sorts of ways to make it more more of a going concern kind of thing. You don't have to completely trash it and start from scratch, right? I mean, that depends on whether you've had a good audio brand to begin with, but there are ways to approach this. So, you know, this is kind of an aside, but... We we're talking about like the the idea behind the the ring the bell with Pavlov's dogs, right? And you ring the bell and the dog salivates kind of thing. Well, there's a there's a part of that study that nobody really knows. And that is the first time that he got this kind of system worked out, he was going to have some people over to show them that this works, right? And so he went through to another room, he brought the dogs where the people are waiting to see it, and he rings the bell and they didn't salivate. And the reason was when they get into a new environment, it's an attention reset. Right. And people use that in TV shows and movies and scripted podcasts and stuff. It's used all the time. And what they do is when there's a scene, you know, let's say people are outside, then there's birds chirping and things, even though the audio is going back and forth. But then when they get inside, they cut the bird chirping noise and they put, you know, whatever interior noise or, or a fan or something. Right. That's consistent because it's an attention reset when you change the background noise from one thing to another. Just like when, you know, and being in the nerd that I am, when you're on Star Trek, when they're on the ship, it has that hum noise of like the warp drive or whatever they have. And the beeps. <laughs> right. And the beeping. Yeah. Deep, 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 deep. But when they go to a planet, it's birds chirping and stuff, right? Because they're delineating that something new is going to happen. Yeah. And Foley... Foley is a very interesting study (laughs) because rarely are those sounds actually recorded in the environment that you would think they are. Because like, like rain, for instance, is not recorded rain. It's another sound entirely made inside. (laughs) And they're like smashing like celery against like a piece of tin or something. They're like... But, it, but it's because we expect to hear things in a certain way. And the recording that we're able to make in an outside environment doesn't match what we think we should hear. And so they make it sound in the Foley studios how we think it should sound. Just like, like, like the Leaf electric car no longer makes the same sounds that a regular car makes. And so they made a CD to put into the car to play it so that the kids would fall asleep in the back seat because they were no longer hearing the calming <laughs> sounds of the actual car, right? <laughs> or or like the, the camera click on our phones, right? We don't need it to click. Yeah, there's, there's no <laughs> shutter on your phone when it... Exactly, yeah. It's a way to indicate what happened. And I think that that is also needed when we're bringing things into Alexa and Google Home and these kinds of things, because you don't know when a transaction has actually happened. You can't see it. You need to hear it. 
Right. And when there's going to be a lot of podcasts and ours included, sometimes we'll use stuff like sweepers, right? So, and that is when there's like just a short sound effect between one thing or that happens before something. So like when we do the episodes where we say like, here's all the takeaways about that we have learned about this subject, right? And then before each one, we'll have it go like, duh, 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 duh. and then we talk for a little bit and then it goes, duh, 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 because it tells you, okay, we're switching to a new topic, right? So those are mental cues that you can get from sound that you wouldn't normally get, you know, from reading or something like that. It's, it's kind of like when you have the three stars in the, in, in the story, right? When you're reading a book and they're like, okay, this is a change from one scene to a different scene because we have that break. Yeah. The reset. It's the reset. The reset. That's right. Your dogs aren't going to salivate when you ring the bell after you have the three <laughs> stars. So let me ask you this question. If a company wants to get started with using audio, where do you think is the best place for them to start? Is it podcasting? Is it maybe using audio in like their advertising or? I think it depends on where their audience is and who they are. So if they're doing, for instance, social media marketing, I would suggest that any video that they make have a recognizable sound that is their own on their videos in the voiceover they use. The voiceover should also reflect their brand values. That's part of what I do every day. <laughs> and it's actually something I really enjoy doing. And I know that my voice isn't going to be perfect for every brand, but the ones that it does work for, it's it's really good to to be involved in that. But yeah, the, the music, the sound effects, you're on hold, for instance. If you're a really large company and you have music playing and you're on hold, or you have little advertisements playing with a voiceover on the on hold, make sure that that voice and that music reflects who you are, that they match with your logo and your colors and whatever else you've paid a huge amount of attention and money to develop. <laughs> it should all match. But it, it really depends on how large you are and who you are and who you're trying to reach, because all of these people will be in different places, right? Your audience might be on the television. They might be in streaming audio. They might be in YouTube for pre-rolls. They might be on Facebook watching your ads. You know, they might be on TikTok. Like you, you don't know. And, and you need to figure out who your audience is before you can know where you're going to advertise and then tailor that advertising to reach those people. And that is going to really dictate what audio you use. Right. Or Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Or Clubhouse. Yeah. Clubhouse is the big one kind of coming out. Well, I should say while we're recording it, Clubhouse is big. You know, it, it may or may not be when this is released in March, but. You're not supposed to so, record on Clubhouse, actually. They don't let you. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's non-recording, but I think that somebody still is listening to the voice of the company and you don't want like your company voice to be really off, you know, I guess, of what your brand is? Well, it's very intimate. It's a very intimate medium because you're hearing people's voices. But just the phenomenon of Clubhouse alone ought to tell people how important audio is. Yeah. Well, you know what Clubhouse is? I haven't talked about this much, but I was talking to somebody the other day. Clubhouse is the new version of what used to be Blab. Did you ever see Blab? I heard of it. I don't know that I ever participated, but yeah. <laughs> Lab was like this video interview, non-recorded live show where you could bring in guests on and off, right? And so people could be watching and they'd put their hand up and you could click on them and it would bring them on the show and you could have a conversation, right? 
very similar to what Clubhouse is now, except it was a video platform. Uh, it didn't go anywhere. There was something with funding or something. I don't remember what happened to it, but, you know, it, I, I really loved it and marketing people really loved it. And, uh, you know, the kind of same people and stuff, I see them now on Clubhouse. Yeah. But I'll, I'll bet the reason it didn't go as far as it could have was because it had the video component. Yeah, probably. I think so, because a lot of people are putting this on in the background and they're just staying in the audience and listening. Right. And they don't want to be seen. No one wants to be seen. They just want to be there. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, I mean, the video component on Blab, you didn't have to be on the video if you were listening. Um, but it was still, I mean, it still takes a lot of bandwidth and stuff. So do you have, as, as a voice actor, do you have sort of like a, a corporate voice that you use? Like, <laughs> I always make fun. Of, you know what? Honestly, I make fun of voice acting all the time, sort of like. In a, in a weird roundabout way, because I when a company's going to do something bad, I always use this like silly voice. And I'm like, now you can buy our widgets for 50 percent off. You know? <laughs> yeah. OK, that's the voice that they would have used in the 40s. <laughs> well, that's, the, the, that's the joke of it, right? Is the, it's it's the old way of doing things to demonstrate. Don't do that anymore. Yeah, you, you can't do that anymore in voice acting. And and the reason I say that is because the audience is becoming younger and younger. And their BSO meters are like way up here. Oh, yeah, there's there. You have to be authentic or nothing at this point. Honestly, it's like that meme with uh, crap. I can't remember the actor's name right now. He's an older guy and he's got a baseball cap and a skateboard. And he's like, hello, fellow children. <laughs> you know, like it's just obvious that he's not a kid. Right. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I don't put on a voice. I'm me. I, I don't put on a voice. Now, like I said, my voice won't be great for every project. I know that. But for the ones it is good for, I'm just me. <laughs> I'm me and I care about what I'm speaking. <laughs> and it's a it's a conversation. It's not just me monologuing at someone. I'm actually answering someone's question. That's really what it is. So as a voice actor, for someone who maybe wants to be a voice actor, mm -hmm. What kind of brands and stuff are you doing, like hosting like podcast shows or TV shows? Or are you more like reading copy or like all the above or what, what like character acting? Oh, my goodness. There are so many genres in this. I mean, I do podcast intros and outros all the time. So I love that. I actually have a demo for it on my website now. And and I love it. And I have my own podcast. So I do this kind of thing. But I don't really get into the audiobooks and the animation and the video games. And, and those are the ones that people think of first, right? Because they're the ones you can get famous from, right? And, and I just, I don't go there. I'm all about making other people money. <laughs> that's really, that's really my area of expertise. <laughs> so you're not, you're not Twitch famous yet? No, 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 I am not. And, and never intend to be. No. I'm happy just to have the voice out there. That's I love this because I get to be behind the scenes, not not in front of the camera. A lot of people say stuff like like they have the 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 face for radio. And I'm like, I got the voice for writing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I apologize, everybody, for the 150 something episodes of having to listen to me. But it's the content that matters, right? 
It's totally the content. (laughs) And like we were saying before we got on this, I think everyone has a lot of people have a problem with their own voice. And I think they're much harder on themselves than they need to be. And I just did a podcast on this. So... Everybody hates the sound of their own voice. A lot of people do. So if you're going to record and you hate the sound of your own voice, it's it's just the way it is. <laughs> and you know what makes it worse is like noise canceling headphones. Oh, so all you're hearing. <laughs> yeah, all you hear is like a nasally version of your own voice. <laughs> but it's excellent for recording. If, if you're going to be on the podcast, get headphones, people. Just saying. That comes up a lot. Yes. Closed ear headphones. Closed ear headphones. Yes. Or... Something that blocks out (laughs) any of the other sounds around you so you don't get that echo effect. But Jody, I appreciate you coming on the show to talk about voiceovers and 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 audio for branding. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best play for them to do that? They could go to my website, which is at voiceoversandvocals.com. And uh, if they want to listen to the podcast, they can go to audiobrandingpodcast.com. Very simple. Perfect. You enunciate that well. <laughs> I want people to understand me. <laughs> I always talk and everybody goes, huh? <laughs> and if you want the show notes for this episode, go to hookseo.com slash podcast. See, I'm learning. Ooh, well done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm terrible at it. But thank you, Jody, for being on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. I look forward to it. <laughs> This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.